This morning, if you would take your Bible uh, or the Pew Bible that is close to you, knowing that the Scripture will also uh, be available on the screen, we're going to be in Judges chapter 6. Uh, Judges chapter 6, verses 11 through 24. Judges 6, 11 through 24. Judges is one of the tougher uh, books of the Bible for me to read. Uh, the story so far uh, of God's people through the patriarchs Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, God has been uh, keeping his promise through uh, Joseph and then the people of God are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. As God told Abraham, it would happen. And the Lord raises up Moses and he leads the people out of slavery in Egypt through these miraculous plagues that he brings on a Pharaoh and on his people there. He leads the people of God out of slavery through the wilderness to the land that he promised Abraham so long before. And before they can enter into this promised land that God has given because of his sin, though, though Moses was a great servant of the Lord, a hero uh, in our faith, a faithful servant over God's house, he was also a sinful man, as much in need of Christ as you are and I am. And doesn't that give us hope? That even someone like Moses, this pillar of the story of redemption, was just as sinful and just as needing of Christ as, as we are. Moses does not get to lead his people as the consequences for his sin and unbelief into the promised land that God has given. But his protege, uh, Joshua, does lead the people into the promised land. And uh, as Joshua leads his people well, they don't they don't fully obey the Lord's promises. And after Joshua dies, the people of Israel more and more begin to turn away from the Lord and to worship the false gods of the Canaanites and be, to be disobedient in almost every area of their lives. The scriptures tell us the people of Israel did evil in the Lord's sight. Judges 2.12 tells us that they abandoned the Lord. They abandoned Yahweh, the God, the Elohim of their fathers. They abandoned Yahweh, the Elohim of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. So the Lord, out of love for his people, disciplines them. We talked about that last week, that uh, we should not get discouraged when we experience the discipline of the Lord in our lives. It is a sign of God's love for us. The scriptures tell us that he is treating us as his children because the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines the people by allowing them to receive the consequences of their actions. They are conquered and plundered by the very people whose false gods God's people have been worshiping. And they eventually have enough of suffering and enough of oppression that they finally cry out again to Yahweh in repentance and they ask Him to deliver them from this oppression. And the Lord raises up a judge. Someone to deliver His people. But after the judge dies, the people go right back to their disobedience and to their idolatry. And we see this cycle, this same cycle, play out 12 times in this one book. And sadly, it's a downward spiral. The people, in, the people themselves and their judges get progressively worse. 
And we get several refrains throughout the book to kind of highlight this downward spiral of the people and their spiritual condition. They did evil in the sight of the Lord. They went after other gods. The Lord gave them into the hand of their enemies. There was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. And so for 250 years or so, there is no lasting peace for God's people. They go through this same cycle again and again where they wander from the Lord's commands and begin to worship idols. The Lord disciplines them through oppression from one of their enemies. They cry out to the Lord. He raises up a judge to deliver them. And when the judge dies, they go right back to their sin. No peace for God's people. This is a long period of time of intense turmoil with very brief periods of respite. And Judges chapter 6 through 8 describes one of these cycles. In chapter 6, verse 1, it says, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of Yahweh, and he gave them into the hand of Midian for seven years. I don't know if you've ever seen the uh, Pixar classic, A Bug's Life. It's really good. Uh, but there's this ant colony, uh, and, um, and they, are, they live on Ant Island, and every year they're collecting uh, a harvest so that they can store up for the cold months that are approaching. And every year, this group of mean, oppressive grasshoppers led by the villain Hopper swoop in and take almost all of the ants' food that they have been storing up, calling it an offering. And this is basically what is happening to Israel. The Midianites and the Amalekites have teamed up together to swoop in and take what belongs to the Israelites. They steal most of their crops. They occupy many of their houses. They overpower them and take most of their livestock as well. And it gets so bad, many of the Israelites flee from their homes to the caves to live. And it's in their oppression and in their turmoil and in their distress that the people have had enough and again they cry out to the Lord and he promises through a prophet again to deliver them and we have to realize and embrace that this scenario and and the oppression and the difficulty that these people uh, the people of God faced in the book of Judges this isn't our scenario we are so much more blessed in so many ways but but at some level we can relate We know the pull of sin and idolatry in our lives. We know that when when we give ourselves to something less than the one true God, we know that it has destructive power in our lives as well. We know what it's like to realize where we are and to cry out for deliverance. And we know the feeling of turmoil around us. We've all experienced the last 20 months differently, to be sure, but I don't think any of us would describe the last 20 months as peaceful. Now, the word and concept of peace that we find throughout the scriptures, this word is, the Hebrew word is shalom. And it doesn't mean peace in the sense of like an absence of conflict. So for us, the way that we commonly use the concept of peace is that, you know, like if things are going okay at work and we're not, you know, constantly being berated for our performance, then we got a little peace. Or if our our kids at home are, are not fighting for a brief respite, then we have some peace. Just kind of the absence of conflict, a little bit of serenity now. 
But in the scriptures, shalom means far more than a brief respite from conflict. It it means totality. It means completeness. It means that everything is as it should be. Shalom means for everything to be made whole, for everything to be made right. And we long for shalom because we were created for shalom. The original creation was in a perfect state of shalom. Everything was as it should be. Everything was whole. Everything was complete. Everything was, in the words of God himself, very good. And then we brought sin into the world and sin destroyed the shalom for which we were created. It broke the peace for which we were made. Peace with God and peace with each other and peace with nature. Now in the unfolding story of redemption, we see and experience Yahweh, the Lord at work restoring shalom, but we don't have the fullness of it yet. So uh, we have the first two chapters of the Bible where we have shalom. In chapter three, we turn away from the Lord and we break the peace between us and God and therefore the peace that existed in any area of our lives. And then every chapter of the Bible until the very last two, we see God at work among his people and in the world restoring the shalom that was stolen by sin. And so we live in this already where God has broken through in history to restore shalom, but the not yet where we don't have the fullness of the peace that God intends for us. And yet we yearn for it. We long for it. C.S. Lewis described it as an inconsolable longing in our hearts for something that, was, that has never actually appeared in our lives. We long for completeness, for wholeness, for peace in every area. We long for everything to be made right, even though none of us have ever experienced anything like that. Where the people of Israel are in our passage and where so many of us are in our current moment is in this intense longing for peace, for shalom. And what our guy Gideon will learn in this passage, and I hope that we will see as well, is revealed in the name that God gives in this passage, Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. So if you're able, I'd ask you to stand in honor of God's word. We're going to read Judges 6, 11 through 24. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth at Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abizarite, while his son Gideon was beating out the wheat in the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. I just want to stop there and just comment. So Gideon is in his wine press beating out the wheat because if the Midianites see him doing this, they're going to come and take his food. That's where he is. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, Please, sir, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are all his wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? 
But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of Midian. And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike the Midianites as one man. And he said to him, If I now have found favor in your eyes, then show me a sign that it is you who speak with me. Please do not depart from here until I come to you and bring out my present and set it before you. And he said, I will stay until you return. So Gideon went into his house and prepared a young goat and unleavened cakes from an ephah of flour. The meat he put in a basket and the broth he put in a pot and he brought them to him under the terebinth and presented them. And the angel of God said to him, take the meat and the unleavened cakes and put them on this rock and pour the broth over them. And he did so. Then the angel of the Lord reached out the tip of his staff that was in his hand and touched the meat and the unleavened cakes and fire sprang up from the rock and consumed the meat and the unleavened cakes. And the angel of the Lord vanished from his sight. Then Gideon perceived that this was the angel of the Lord. And Gideon said, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. Then Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it, The Lord is Peace. To this day, it still stands at Ophrah, which belongs to the Abizrites. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Let's thank the Lord for his word. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you that you have inspired and preserved this word for us. Lord, this is a tragic story uh, in which your people are found under oppression. By their own doing, Lord, they're receiving the consequences of their sin. And Lord, we know well uh, what that is like. And yet, Lord, this is a beautiful story of how you bring peace to, uh, to difficulty. Lord, you deliver your people. You keep your promises and you show your character. And so, Lord, I pray that you would do uh, for us now what you did for Gideon so long ago. And that you would show us that you, our God, are our peace now and forever. We pray that you would take this word that you have given and appointed for your people today and allow it to do its work in us by your Spirit, Lord, so that we would believe what is written here, so that we would love the truths that are revealed to us, that we would apply them to our lives and be transformed by them and by your Spirit. We love you, Lord, and we humbly anticipate what you will do in us through our time together around your word, and we pray always in the name of Jesus. Amen. Maybe seated. Sometimes when we are going through difficult things in our lives, it can be hard to see and to grasp and to hold on to the truths that Scripture reveals. And we have well-meaning uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who will speak those truths to us and remind us of things like God is at work even in these circumstances putting all things for your good. But if you are in the middle of grief over the loss of a loved one, 
or if you're in shock over a scary diagnosis, or if you're in pain from relational betrayal, or you're in struggle with sin, or you're in stress from financial strain, if you are not in a place of peace in your life, even if you believe with all your heart and with all your mind that God is sovereign, and that God is good, and that God loves you, you still might have some questions. And that's where Gideon is. The angel of the Lord, this being that is standing in for the person of God, of Yahweh, says, the Lord is with you. And Gideon, in his turmoil, says, okay, if that's true, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are the mighty acts of the Lord that our fathers told us about? No, I don't think the Lord is with us. I think the Lord has abandoned us. Have you been there? Have you felt that way in your own turmoil that when a brother or sister in Christ speaks truth to your struggle and says the Lord is with you, you say, if the Lord were with me, I don't think I'd be going through this. And why isn't he doing for me what he did for the Israelites? Maybe the Lord has forsaken me. Maybe the Lord has abandoned me. Now, instead of arguing with Gideon, the Lord instead reveals himself. And he reveals himself as Yahweh Shalom. And in this passage, I just want us to, to briefly look at at least four ways Four ways that Yahweh Shalom provides peace to his people. Four ways that Yahweh Shalom provides peace for his people. The first is Yahweh Shalom provides peace through his presence. Yahweh Shalom provides peace through his presence. We see that in verses 11 through 16. Uh, when Avery, my oldest, who's now 15, was about five years old, uh, we took her to Disney World for the first time. And it's so fun to experience uh, that magical place, uh, at least to some of us, through the eyes of a child and to see all their wonder. But one of the things that I, I wanted for Avery was to experience one of my favorite rides. It's a roller coaster called Big Thunder Mountain Railway. And as we stood outside of Big Thunder Mountain Railway, I could see that Avery's eyes were like saucers and that she was very afraid. And she heard, the, it's a very loud roller coaster, and there were people screaming as they flew by. And it, there's some, I guess, intimidating imagery as well around the coaster. And I said, well, do you want to go on? And she said, no. And I tried to encourage her by affirming things about her that I had seen in her. And so I said, but Avery, you're a big girl. You're five years old and you're, you're mature and, and you're brave. I've seen you take on things that have scared you before. I really think that you can do this. You can do it. And no matter what I said and, and no matter what I affirmed that I saw in my daughter, it wasn't convincing her to get on Big Thunder Mountain Railway. But you know what did? When I finally just said, Avery, I'm going to be right there with you. It wasn't my platitudes that gave her peace. It was my presence. I will be with you. Now, a couple of times here, the Lord affirms Gideon. 
In, 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 in verse 12, he says to Gideon, O mighty man of valor. Now, God sees something in Gideon here that Gideon doesn't see about himself, and we certainly don't. O mighty man of valor. Verse 14, he says, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from Midian. Do I not send you? Not only does Gideon have questions about God's purpose in the grand scheme, he also has questions about God's plan. Because God obviously plans to use Gideon to deliver his people and to restore their peace. But Gideon is familiar with himself. He knows exactly who he is. He says, Lord, here the word is Adonai. Adonai, how can I save Israel? My family is the weakest in our tribe, and I am the weakest in my family. And the Lord doesn't say to Gideon, oh, Gideon, you're wrong. You are a big boy. You are a brave boy, and you can handle this. I know you can do it. What does he say? I will be with you. And this truth is, is the one that is given to us and reiterated to us all throughout the Scriptures that God's presence dwells with His people. God says that to Abraham, and He says it to Isaac, and He says it to Jacob, and He says it to Moses and David when we get to the psalm says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The prophet Isaiah, speaking for the Lord to his people, says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And the, the waves, they will not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, I will be with you and you will not be burned. And the Lord Jesus Christ who is himself God, as he had lived and died and risen from the dead, stood on the mountain with his disciples, and he gave them a great commission based on the fact that all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. But he gave them not only a great commission, go and make disciples of all nations, he also gave them a great promise. What was it? Behold, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. The Lord is with us, and this is meant to give us peace. If we had to face the valley or the waters or the fire on our own, then we would have no reason for peace. And brothers and sisters, that is why there are so many people in our world who are desperately seeking peace and finding it nowhere because they're trying to find peace in themselves or in something in the world. They're trying to do it on their own. These people are the disciples in the boat losing their minds because they think that the storm is going to capsize the boat and that they're going to drown. Remember this story? The disciples are freaking out because they think they're going to die in the storm. And where's Jesus? He's asleep in the boat. The disciples have absolutely no peace, and Jesus has complete peace. He's sleeping. How? He knew who was with him. Michael Card has a couple of albums of lullabies for kids, and one of the songs on one of those albums says, Sweet Jesus, you slept through the storm in the bow. Through lightning, through thunder, you slumbered, but how? 
You totally trusted your father. That's how. You slept through the storm in the bow. See, Jesus lived in total shalom. And he did so because he is one with the Father and the Spirit. Jesus is and always has been God and with God. So he knew shalom in the boat in the storm. Gideon, not so much. He hears God speak of his presence, but he wants to see God's power. Gideon hears God speak of his presence. He says, well, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? And where are his mighty deeds? What we see here is that Yahweh Shalom provides peace, not only through his presence, but also through his power. Yahweh Shalom provides peace through his power. Gideon is not satisfied with God's presence. He wants to witness God's power. And so he says, show me a sign. I'm going to go get an offering, and I want you to stay here and wait until I bring it back, and I want you to show me something cool so that I know that it's you who I'm speaking to. And God would have been totally just and right to say, no, Gideon, I don't think that I will. You blew it. I'm going to find somebody else to deliver my people. But God doesn't do that. He faces Gideon's doubt with grace and with love. He sees Gideon's lack of faith and he bends down and gives to him confirmation of the power that Gideon desires to see. And the Lord waits for Gideon to go and cook a goat and to bring some unleavened cakes and some broth. And Gideon brings them back as an offering. The Lord says, okay, I want you to take all of that. I want you to put it on a rock. And then the Lord taps the rock with a stick. And what happens? Fire explodes from the rock and consumes everything. And then what happens? The Lord vanishes and disappears. And Gideon has the display of power that he is looking for. And we often want to see a display of power like this, don't we? I mean, I I really do strongly desire that the people that we are praying for in their sickness would be miraculously healed. I want to see these people that we pray for who are struggling with cancer to have it removed from their bodies in such a miraculous and powerful way that the doctors are shocked and everybody can't do anything but give glory to God for what has happened. I want to, I want to see people who are, have their, their hands and their backs bent over because of arthritis or age straightened out by God's miraculous power. I want to see people who can't see or who can't hear well to have their senses restored through God's miraculous power. I want to see the display of God's power, but I want to see it on my terms. I want to see it the way that I want to see it, the way that Gideon wanted to see it, the way that he wanted to see it, rather than the way that the Lord desired to display it. I want to see COVID-19 completely removed from the earth miraculously and instantaneously. My buddy Isaac, he's going to be five this week, and every time we pray together as a family, he says, Lord, please take the coronavirus away. Amen, buddy. I want to see a display of the Lord's power like that, but I think I often justify 
my lack of peace by saying to myself, like Gideon does, if I could just see a miraculous display of God's power, well then, I could have peace. And the truth is that while we're holding out for a miraculous display of God's power in the circumstances of our lives, the most significant, beautiful, and powerful expression of God's power is us. Brothers and sisters, you have been raised from the dead. There is no greater sign of God's power that he would look on someone like me, someone who was dead in my trespasses and sins, someone who was a disciple of Satan, a follower of the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, that he would look on someone like me who was a child of wrath like the rest of mankind and deserving death and eternal hell and love me and send Jesus Christ, the only son of the father, full of grace and truth to redeem me from my spiritual deadness to raise me from death to life you want to see a display of God's power brothers and sisters look in the mirror if you are Christ's then you are a phenomenal miracle of God where he reached into death and brought life and so yeah we we may say well I where are the mighty deeds of the Lord that are fathers told us about we have to look no further than our own redemption through jesus christ because god has raised the dead yahweh shalom provides peace through his presence and through his power and thirdly we see that yahweh shalom provides peace through his promise Peace through his promise. We see that in verses 22 and 23. Here in in this passage in Judges 6, Gideon has his Isaiah 6 moment. Now Gideon precedes uh, the prophet Isaiah, but he has a moment that's very similar to the one that the the prophet Isaiah has uh, in Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah has this vision of the Lord and he he sees the temple and the temple is filled with smoke and the foundations are shaking this glorious building that proclaims the glory of God and the train of the Lord's uh, robe fills the entirety of the temple. And everything is overwhelming that he sees and there are these angels that are flying around the throne which dwells in unapproachable light and they're covering their faces because they can't behold the the glory and the holiness of God and they're covering their feet to honor the Lord and they're flying and they never stop saying glory holy 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 is the Lord God almighty the earth is filled with his glory and Isaiah encountering the Lord in this way knows that I can't see this and live he says woe is me for I am undone For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of glory. He knows that he's seen the Lord, and so he's toast as a sinful man. Yet God, in his grace and in his love for the prophet Isaiah, dispatches an angel with a a hot coal from the altar before the throne, and he touches his lips and says, your guilt is taken away, your sin is atoned for, this prophetic promise of Christ who would atone for our sins and take all of our guilt away. And then the Lord commissions Isaiah and sends him to proclaim his word to his people. Well, that's exactly what happens with Gideon here as well. 
The Lord does this display of His power in consuming the food with fire. And then the Lord vanishes from His sight. And what does Gideon say? He says, Alas, O Lord God, for now I have seen the angel of the Lord face to face. He's having the same moment that Isaiah had where he says, I can't see the Lord and live. Alas, woe is me. And the Lord meets him in his fear and gives him his promise. He says, peace to you. Peace to you. Gideon has no peace. He thinks he's going to die. And the Lord says, peace to you. Do not fear. You shall not die. The Lord speaks peace through His promise. And Gideon receives peace through his promise. And I would ask you, what are the promises of God that you especially hold on to to give you peace in the midst of struggle or turmoil? For some of us, we may look at Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to, to prosper you and not to harm you. Maybe you look at the words of Christ where he says that, not even a hair can fall from your head apart, the, apart from the will of his Father in heaven. Maybe some of us look to Romans 8, 28, where we can say that we know that for those who love God and are called according to his purpose, all things work together for their good. Maybe we look further in, in Romans chapter 8 that that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor powers, nor principalities, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Maybe, maybe some, for some of us, particularly over uh, these last 20 months, as Chad prayed so beautifully a little while ago, our, our hope is that the Lord says, Behold, I am coming soon. And we're looking for His coming to grant ultimate shalom, ultimate peace. So what are the promises of God that bring you peace? I would encourage you that if you, don't, if you haven't zeroed in on some of the promises that God has given to His people, and therefore to you, if you are His in Scripture, that you would take some time this week. You can just Google promises of God. And just read through the Scriptures and find some things to hold on to that remind you that Yahweh Shalom gives you peace through His promise. And yes, it is through His promise, and it is through His power, and it is through His presence. But the last thing that we see in this text is that Yahweh Shalom provides peace ultimately through His person. Yahweh Shalom provides peace through His person. And we see that in verse 24. It is essential that we realize here that Gideon, even though he has received the promise of the Lord and that he is basing his hope on the promise of the Lord that he's not going to die, right? He's not going to die because he's seen the Lord and he's not going to die because the Lord is going to use him to deliver his people from uh, the Midianites. He doesn't name this altar that he builds for the worship of the Lord here, the Lord gave me peace. Here, the Lord, through His promise, spoke peace to me. He doesn't, he doesn't name the altar. Here, the Lord gave me peace. No, what does He name the altar? He names the altar Yahweh Shalom. The Lord 
is peace. The Lord is peace. Ultimately, the presence and the power and the promise of God will not bring us peace apart from His person. It is God who is peace. And there is no peace apart from knowing Him and having a relationship with Him. Because when there wasn't peace between us and God, well, we see in the Scripture that when we destroyed the peace between us and God through our rebellion and our sin and our turning away and going our own way, that God was still present with His people. And that's the story of the Bible, that even in their sin and rebellion, that God was present with His people. And He put that on display through His power as He showed them who He was through His great miracles. And He made promises to His people that He would never abandon them, that He would never leave them or forsake them. And ultimately, He made promises that not only would He bring us peace, but that He Himself would be our peace. I love the season that we are about to enter into as a church. And I want to encourage you once again, not only for, for you to come and be a part of our faith family Christmas, but to encourage others to do so, people who haven't been around in a while, or maybe even new people, to come and join us in our celebration of Advent. It's when we turn our eyes to the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, when He became a human being like us to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. And many years before Christ was born, the Lord spoke through the prophet Isaiah, and He said, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on His shoulders, and He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah speaks of a being that, yes, must be human, for unto us a child is born. But can't be only human, must also be God, because he's going to be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and he himself is going to be our Prince of Peace peace. Romans 5.1 Therefore, since we have been justified, that is, we have been made right, we have been declared righteous by God, we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God Himself came to give us Himself because Yahweh Shalom is peace. And it was through his life and his death and his resurrection that Jesus Christ gave us forever an irrevocable, eternal peace with God. And not only do we have this vertical peace with the Lord who created us for peace, it's also transforms our lives so that we can begin to have peace within ourselves and peace with others. Ephesians chapter 2 says, for He Himself, that's Christ, for He Himself is our peace, who made us both, that's Jews and Gentiles. So this is, stands in for every kind of person in the world who turns away from themselves and to Christ for salvation, has made us both one and broken down in His 
flesh, in his person, the dividing wall of hostility. And so now, because God has given to, given to his people, his person, because God has given us himself in Christ, we have peace with God. We have peace with one another, but it doesn't stop there, brothers and sisters. We can have peace in our relationships with our neighbors, and we can declare peace to our enemies. Our God is Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. And if we have Him, if we have the Lord, if we know Him, if He is ours, then we have His promise, and we have His power, and we have His presence. If we have the Lord, then we can have shalom. We can have peace. And we can be people of peace in a world of turmoil. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, thank you again for this time in your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace. And Lord, I pray that even now, Lord, we're struggling and our world has turmoil. For many of us, there's inner turmoil as we deal with sin and struggle and difficulty. And Lord, I pray that though we are tempted like Gideon to say, well, if you're with us, then why are these things happening to us? That you would direct the eyes of our hearts again to your presence and to your power and to your promise and to your person because you alone are Yahweh Shalom. You alone are peace. Help us to find peace in you, Lord, and to declare the hope of the gospel that we can, through Christ, have peace with God. And Lord, help us to be people of peace to those around us. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.